Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and living the same day over and over again with me is my good friend, David William Rogers. Hello to you. What is happening? How are you? I am not doing that well, as you can tell. I don't know if you can tell. Can you tell from over there? I don't want to say anything, but I mean, like adjusted. You're, you're normally very radiant. It's just like uh-huh. a tempered kind of vibe from you today because you're not feeling so I'm well. fighting the fucking pneumonia or cold or something that's going around. Like, literally, it would be me getting a cold as soon as it starts to get hot. I don't know what that's about, honestly, but it's not COVID. Thank goodness. I have tested myself multiple times, but yeah, somehow I've picked up a cold and I think I just kind of forgot that like random illnesses happened because we've, you know, we've all avoided them for so long. So just excuse me if I have a hacking up cough, but we will get through it. We'll get through it together like we yeah. always do. Um, but David, we are uh, doing a film today, a, a great film, a film from the 90s. What is the film we are doing on this podcast? The film we are doing is Groundhog Day 1993, directed by Harold Ramis and the writing credits go to Danny Rubin. Uh, who did the story and screenplay was by Danny Rubin and Harold Ramis. So we all know him from Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about his and Bill Murray's relationship in the past on this podcast, but this movie stars Bill Murray, mm-hmm. Andy McDowell, Chris Elliott, um, a lot of heavy hitters. And then I don't know if you saw, but Michael Shannon, the stud actor he has made his day. We, I watched this in a big group of girls. Everyone was like, who wants to watch this movie with me? And I had some friends in town. And when he came on the screen, I don't know, we were a little like drunk and stoned. And we were like, we could not remember his name for the life of us. And we were all trying to remember what movies he was in. He looks so fucking young. He's like yeah. 12 years old. Yeah. And I, Baby face. I like a side profile because mostly his scenes are in the diner. I'm like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, that's it. That is him, is it? No? Oh, back and forth. I was like, sure enough. And then a uh, very funny character actor, Stephen Tobolowski. Oh, my God. In- obsessed with him. Yeah, so funny. And he's been in, um, he was in Spaceballs. Mm-hmm. He had a, like a couple scenes in that. And then I'm going to slaughter this name, but Rue, or sorry, Rue, Rick Ducamon, Ducamon. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Gus. Played and Gus. He, yeah. Yeah. He was in The Burbs, which we did. Um, mm-hmm. Another very funny actor. I think he's a Canadian actor. Um, but yeah. Had you and Chris, seen- Chris Elliott, who is um, in Schitt's Creek, and he's also the strong hand guy from Scary Movie. Yeah. Yeah. He he was on a TV show that my brothers and I watched really? way back in the day. Yeah. And I can't remember the name, um, but it's hilarious if people can go and find it. It's such a weird show. I just watched it. I started watching a show as well called Maggie or something on Hulu that just got like canceled or it only got one season but it's about a medium who like dates it's kind of silly but it's cute and he's like the dad in it i feel like this a lot of these actors you see them and you're like they've had consistent work you know they've been they have those faces um we actually saw harold ramus's son didn't we when we went to see ghostbusters at the cemetery didn't his son do a little intro he spoke before the movie was shown yeah yeah that's cute. Um, yeah, really fun movie. Hadn't seen it in a while. Yes, I had seen it before, but not since like I was a kid. And I'm really excited to talk about it with you. But we're not alone today. We have a guest joining us on the podcast, which I'm very excited about. 
um, my friend Tianjin Gu, who is a writer and a great sport and a fan of the podcast. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm, I'm glad you're here for my most sick podcast recording <laughs> ever. It's a special one. It's going down in history. Was, I was saying, you know, what, like, you know, moments in history got Michael Jordan's flu game, Carrie Strug's landing on her ankle, and now today. I was Paris. geeking out yeah. about that when uh, Paris put us all in a text chain, and you said that when she said she wasn't feeling good. <laughs> well. And I, I've just been having a day, and that that broke me up. So that was that was pretty. Funny. You were like, "We're gonna get along just that. fine." Yeah. Um, well, I have your bio here, so let's just read it because it's impressive. So you're a TV writer and producer whose credits include House of Cards, Inter Interrogation, and Why the Last Man, which I need to watch. Actually, I haven't seen it yet, but I keep seeing ads for it. It looks really good. Um, when you're not. Okay, you would recommend it? Imagine if you yeah, were like, I, recommend it. I don't recommend yeah. it. <laughs> like, wow. I have uh, some thoughts about that show. No. Well, no. We can talk about please all of them. Yeah, please, please watch, watch it. it. Um, when you're not writing, you're searching for interesting food, spending too much money on film photography, or trying to convince your friends that golf is fun. You're one of those guys. All day golf, Sunday. You're out of the house. Is that what it is? See? That's why I have so much convincing to do. That's the tone <laughs> that everyone has. <laughs> golf is fun, guys. Please. Play I'm, public courses. Support your city. <laughs> I'm sure golf is so fun. David, did you have family members that were golfers? No. Um, a lot of friends, though, that some of my buddies, some of my best friends played in high school, things like mm. that. I just never got into it. I always said once I stop playing basketball, like in men's leagues, then I'll jump into, into golf. I'm sure it's good networking. I just have a vivid memory of my dad spending all day Sundays golfing with his buddies, which... I'm sure it was super fun for him and not really super fun for my mom who had three children. But then we got to an age where my dad was forced to take one of us as his caddy and you would get $5 and a drink and a snack of your choice. And I was, I, I, you know, my littlest sibling was too little, but my brother and I would always trade off and fight about it. And I would always get the same thing, Sprite and a Mars bar, which now I'm like, how much sugar was I fucking having? Honestly. For an eight hour shift? That's And, and $5. It's brutal. That's not. Yeah. But to be fair, it wasn't like I had to carry the bag. Like on my back, it had those wheel things, like the caddy thing. But still, yeah, yeah pretty shit deal, to be fair. <laughs> but yes. I, I promise I'll take you along as players and not as caddies. Yeah. yeah. I'm extremely competitive, so I probably fall in love with it and also have a very powerful uh, swing, as David knows, because we went bowling the other day and everyone was like, damn, Paris. Cut some she, she gets that ball down the lane. Yeah. I broke two nails. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> velocity on that thing. She yeah. was she was getting good by the end of the night. No, I don't know wow. if that's true, but um more and more pins. No one died. I kept getting the one on the very far right. I was like, I can get them all except for all these nine, but I got this one. Anyway, have you had you seen this film before? Yes, I have. Uh, but this is now, but I hadn't seen it in a few years, so it's probably my fourth time watching it as an adult. Um, or as like in in total, yeah, in total, in total, uh, and it's just it's one of those movies that um, I just love so much, and I fell back in love with it. I feel like it's a movie you watch at different stages of your life, um, and you always pick up something, you know, so meaningful from it. Totally. All right. Well, before we dive into it too much, David, what is 
the synopsis of this film. Yeah, so real quick, Bill Murray, he's a little bit of a narcissist weatherman, all right? And he goes, for the past three years, he goes to Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania to celebrate Groundhog's Day, right? Every city does it. They show if the groundhog gets scared of their uh, shadow and then is there more winter or not? So he gets there and he just starts to relive every single day and he's a little bit of a existential crisis and we're going to discuss how long we think he's in there for. It's basically like a time loop. Some of the articles I read, but every day it's the same exact thing. He starts to manipulate these days, manipulate people in, a, in the town, um, starts to lose it for a while, you know, drives a truck up a cliff. And then towards the end, he makes it like the perfect day. And then he finally wakes up uh, with the love interest, interest, Andy McDowell, uh, Rita, and yeah and that's the end of the movie great synopsis yes okay well i do want to talk about it but because we have this wonderful guest i also want to talk about like writing and things so my first question to you our get lovely guest is how did the writing feel to you of this movie like did you have notes were you like this is a great movie this is a perfect movie like what were your feelings from a creative when you watched this film um i was just thinking about how incredibly difficult that script must have been to mm. wrangle to uh, make sure that everything pays off, that it doesn't go off the, because it's so easy for it to go off the rails for like a Groundhog Day. And I was reading some of the notes about it, how they had to, they had to cut out some of the darker moments because they had to balance the tone of it all and that they weren't interested in. Because I think, I think if, um, well, for some of the time loop movies and shows that we've now seen like Russian Doll or like, game over and stuff like that you could just take that concept and could be like a revenge fantasy right mm -hmm. every day you just take it out on someone else this movie doesn't lean into uh violence or much cynicism um and instead it's uh it, it feels just so um it's one of those movies that I, I i just like that it's celebrating uh the good parts of humanity I'm yeah, gonna be like the sentimental guest. <laughs> no, I love it. I love a sentimental guest. He's in his emotions, his fifis. Um, I did see a part that the. Uh, do you guys see that there was an alternate ending that they cut? Yeah. yeah. No, what was uh, it? Uh, Rita, Annie McDowell's character, she like Bill Murray confesses his love, and she doesn't really accept it, and then she's like in the time loop. Mm. Yeah, and they cut that because. Um, uh, Harold Ramis wanted to just like put a bow on it, have a have a happy ending. ending. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a couple different tweaks from the original script to, to the end of the movie, which there normally are, but it seemed like this could have been a totally different movie. Oh my gosh. So different. I mean, that's one of the things that I was joking about with my friends that I was watching it with. Like, it could go so dark. Like, kind of the suicide montage is a bit like they do handle it with like comedy but it is it could go very differently you know like they I, I think i read like obviously they kept it light like they didn't go he was murdering people or like torturing people or like doing any other fucked up shit like really everything nefarious he did was just i mean okay let's talk about it uh, we'll, we'll talk about your career and stuff like as we weave it through but okay do you feel like he was a little bit manipulative because that was my takeaway watching this film for the first time as an adult with this new mindset i'm like wow he basically like gaslit all these women into sleeping with him and loving him and i know that the message behind it is like he had to learn and andy mcdowell and i'm like yeah but he was very selfishly approaching it to begin with 
right? True. Thoughts. But, um, my thing, same thought, but to what point posing this to both of you, do you just start to lose it and say, none of this matters. So I can just do whatever I want. Right. Cause that's yeah. kind of where he was getting to. So like, depending on how long this is where like, you're like, fuck it, I'll make it a game. To the point where like it depends on per person like what kind of integrity you have if you're going to use that to get laid which you know well he obviously does like he he does. Yeah. that's what i'm saying but at like what point do you give up all hope and just say nothing i do today matters so what there's no consequences for anybody so i could basically do anything i think there has to be that threshold of when do you think the time loop is loop is just going to keep continuing right because like for me that's the thing that would be always being in the back of my head i'd be like it's a week but I'd be like, maybe this time loop lasts a month it's like yeah. you know, and then the next day is going to continue again and then I'm after like, you're like up. maybe it's a year so maybe i'll just yeah it's 20 years for you well isn't that what they i think i read online that it was supposed to be there was two trains of thought like one was that they would make him live this for ten thousand years one was that he would live for I think it was more like 10, but then someone else that was here did the math or was like reading it something. And it was like about 30 years he did it. Yeah. So imagine he's like a oh, six year old. Around like 30 that he was in this, which is after 10, 5, 10, every single day. Like at what point are you breaking? I think you go crazy before year. I think it's oh, before. Yeah, for sure. Look yeah. at us in the pandemic. That was basically Groundhog's Yeah, day. right. <laughs> and, and there were other people around. And there were other people. <laughs> and people were going nuts, you know? So, no, it's a good question. I think also, like, when he finally decides to kill himself and he wakes up and realizes that doesn't even reset it, then you just go, fuck. Yeah, it's whatever. Yeah. He looks yeah. so great, like, disheveled and drained of all his emotion. But I also wanted to ask you, too, okay, like, what's something fun you would do knowing that? Oh, I can tell you right now. I would eat everything. I would just have every combination of food. Like, he doesn't gain an ounce, you know? <laughs> <laughs> come on like also we were talking funnily enough the girls that i was watching it with they left today but we had breakfast and it came up again and we were like wouldn't you just want to be in a city that had like an airport like this shitty thing about pug satorni where he is like he's he's really i mean that's obviously a device of the movie he's snowed in so he gets to know everyone in this little town intimately but imagine if you were in la there are so many restaurants you could try. You know, there are so many places you could drive to. Imagine if you were in New York, okay, day resets, but imagine if you got on like a 7 a.m. flight and you're in London by like 4 p.m., you know, and walking around. And then we were like, wait, is that a way to cheat the system? Because he like, is like, just keeps extending the day, you know, you go backwards. What about you? What Like what one fun or like cool thing you think you would do? Oh, man. No consequences. I think I would want to see what's the least amount of effort I could put in into robbing a big bank? <laughs> like, <what's> like <laughs> I don't need, and I'm not trying to plot out anything crazy. Just yeah. like, you know, maybe like a finger gun in the pocket. And like, I'm just like, <laughs> give me all your money. See if they go for just, it. Just see if they go for it. Yeah. Cause you could take, so you'd have so many days to see like, okay, I said this, that got me shot. I moved, I took a left out of the building. I ran yeah. cops and figure that out. So you could do that all with the, just the finger in the, in the pocket till you figure it out each step you make to get out of there. Isn't that funny? Yeah. You were talking about someone's integrity and how that would influence. And I was like, I would just eat all the food and tangent immediately. He's like, I would commit a crime for sure with the <laughs> well, minimum it's effort. It's effort. Yeah. What about you, yeah. David? What would you do? Oh man, that is, that's hard for me. I would, uh, I think I would do some of the stuff he did where he was just like playing the, okay. The main thing I thought of when he dressed up like the cowboy and he went on that date, I would do silly shit like that. 
and I would just be walking around town, just, you know, being different characters, basically seeing like what funny situations I could talk myself into. Cause money wouldn't mean anything. So you no. could literally yeah, get a face. You paid a thousand dollars for the piano lessons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What would, you, what's like a skill that you guys would do to, cause he chooses, he goes and becomes like an expert piano player and then he like learns, is it German poetry that Andy's into? Andy's character, Rita? French poetry. French poetry. Okay. I think a language. I'd probably start off by learning Spanish. I want yeah. to learn how to fly a plane. Oh, that's good. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, Punxsutawney didn't seem like it had a little airport. So if you're stuck in Punxsutawney, you'd be shit out of luck. <laughs> oh, also, yeah. you'd be the only Asian person there, unfortunately. So they got a flight Hey, somewhere. funny you mentioned that. There is one Asian person in the movie. Who? The kid that falls from the tree. Oh. He's now he's now a news anchor in Boston because I, I really wanted to make a joke of like how many diverse people are in you know Punxsutawney like other yeah. than the black bartender who never says a single word <laughs> but but has the funniest facial reaction yeah yeah I think I clocked like three or four black people um towards the end like in the audience and then when he gives that great speech about you know Chekhov says blah blah blah, blah and he kills it he does like the perfect punk uh, groundhog day speech at the end there's one black guy that steps in front you can only see side profile and he's like great speech and like shakes his hand <laughs> <laughs> hashtag <laughs> diversity hashtag inclusion <laughs> that is a big thing always i think with the a lot of these movies obviously like the lack of diversity this is a white town um very white and yeah i mean it it bugs me i ain't gonna lie it always bugs me when i see because i can't imagine that even in the 90s this was a true reflection of town like this but maybe i don't know small town america I, I mean coming from a very small midwestern town i was the only person of color for like where are you from a, um i'm from wald lake michigan shout out to everyone who okay. might know i'm the midwest as, as well grew i grew up outside of milwaukee oh really you guys uh, are like um, midwest twins no way oh wait that's from the interstellar episode i do remember the talk of <laughs> 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 how best episode ever my opinion so you're listening good. to this and you just got on the podcast maybe go check that out check out that yeah i can 100 guarantee it is the most off the rail shit you've ever heard in your life i know this one's in progress maybe this one goes off the rails who knows who knows yeah okay so you're you are the only person of color in your small town so it's not that un unbelievable i guess no it's it's not but i think um uh it, it's the fact that you know none of them really say anything it's like they would have some sort of reaction but of course you know you'd have to pay them for a line mm -hmm. <laughs> gotta get yeah. that background right yeah, that's yeah. Right. <laughs> featured extra no vouchers no vouchers for them though either <laughs> thank you sag after <laughs> <clears throat> thank you sag after yeah i mean obviously that always bugs me i think another thing we always talk about is like the female characters like do they have agency I mean, Andy McDowell's character, Rita, she's a very strong character, which I do like in this. She sticks to her morals. Her accent is so weird to me. I did read online. So she's from North Carolina, I believe. And so she has like that accent, but that maybe I'm just foreign, but like that is such a strange American accent to me. Like so a couple of times I thought she was doing an accent and then she wasn't. I think it's just like a soft way she speaks. Did hmm. you guys know she sounded like that? That's her real accent. Yeah. That didn't really stick out to me. I was thinking the same thing for a while. That, is she you know, Southern? She, what is she? she? Like, put on an accent for yeah, And then bit. I read that she said that um, she was talking to Harold Ramis and saying that I have a very thick accent and can Southern I just keep draw. it for the movie? And he was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. Andy is, um, it's so funny. Okay. 
I know we're film fans, but if I could get just a tiny bit snipey for a second about stuff. Yeah. We were watching this, a bunch of us gals in a group, sort of dying over it a little bit. And we were like, only in the 90s could you have that bad of teeth and be like the two leads. Did that bug you guys at all? Bill Murray's teeth and Andy McDowell's teeth in this. Yeah, I'm I know sure. Bill Murray's weren't the great greatest. Well, I he's got picture yeah. of when he like did this like he put his teeth up yeah. in the beginning yeah i didn't notice andy's so they were just they were just stained i think like i mean listen i'm in two minds coffee, about it coffee problem i'm just i'm in two minds about it because i think back in the day like you could be D david think back above all the movies we've done from like the 70s 80s the 90s there was that one we did like I think it was, um, no, it was Albert Brooks, not Mel Brooks. Yeah. And I remember he was like the heartthrob and he takes off his shirt and we were both like, oh my God, you know, just like kind of a chubby, super hairy guy, which is great. We love a natural king. But I just think nowadays people are so like put together, like even the three of us, we probably use like crest white strips and stuff. People's like appearances are just more manicured. And I think these two as the leads, I was like, we were just dying every time there was like a close up of their mouths. Like the girls that were here were just like, look at their teeth. It was just so... <laughs> <laughs> so funny like now everyone has like pristine white teeth even if they've got like messed up teeth i feel like they're clean they look they're really white. really clean yeah yeah, yeah. Well, and we know, you know high def cameras and they didn't have high def cameras that's what it is but yeah these two as love um love interests thoughts did you buy it i didn't quite buy it <laughs> i, I still and I, I still don't quite you know buy it i think that andy mcdowell's like i think reed is such a strong character but yeah. you know um and again i i have to preface this by saying i do i genuinely love this movie yeah you know, same and, like rita is as a character on the thinner side she's stronger and, than a lot of the characters we've talked about to be completely honest true. very true but i think that also you know goes with the difficulty of having to tell a time loop story like mm. how much can you invest in the character because they're just stuck on one day they don't have as much information as um Bill Murray's character is going to have. That's a very good point, especially for the actors, because like, okay, so Annie McDowell, what's her moment before the scene or what happened yesterday? What happened this morning? And it's going to be the same for her every time you see yeah. Bill Murray do a, a pretty good job with it. I thought of coming into, okay, second day, what the fuck is going on third day? Holy shit. And you can see him increasingly, especially with um, him and Ned talking. Oh my God. Him interactions but um yeah so that's a very good point because andy is going to be that same bubbly producer every single morning to start her day so i did same positive outlook i did think um but yeah she was stronger than a lot of the characters i mean really it's a two-hander this this story i mean bill's obviously like the lead but she really is the push to his pull you know which i did like we've seen so many movies where the women are just plot devices, kind of like Nancy from the diner. You know, she doesn't have a ton going on. Squirrel noises when she's excited. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> that was a, that was one of those laughs for the parents that the kids probably missed out on when they watched it, yeah. you know? Yeah. But for the kids, they're like, oh, animal noises. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Ned is a favorite character of mine for sure. Ned, needle nose Ned. <laughs> He's mean to him. Like he really fucks with him a lot. And it's not, it made me sad, like bullying. I think obviously in the beginning, he's meant to be so unlikable. But it was, sure. <laughs> yeah, no, not well, both Ned and Bill oh, Murray's character. Okay. But yeah, I just, it made me feel sad that like adults are still mean to each other, even in like, and then I was like, I should make sure that I am nice to people just in case they're living groundhogs day and i'm just doing the same day over and over again 
That is also very interesting. Like if you're just a character in their Groundhog Day, I didn't think about it like that. That's pretty, that's pretty, good on you. Good pretty on meta. You. That's yeah. all the cold and flu medicines combining with the kombucha <laughs> and the edible I just took. Uh, you tend to write more seriously type things, at least when we were talking about your credits. Do you find this kind of comedy... Like, is it something you would love to do? I know I've read some of your pilots that are a bit like on the more levity side, but what do you feel about like the comedy of it all? I, I mean, I, I wish I could. It's it's so hard. I, I always have such respect for comedy writers because they have to understand character structure story while also making it funny. Like I can just, you know, if I if I want to make it as dramatic as hell, like I can go for that. But actually having to add in laughs and humor is so specific for every single person. Um, I mean, I wish I could do it. I wish I could do write something as crowd pleasing as Groundhog as Day. This. Like that would that would be such a dream, but I, I don't think I I don't think I have it in me to to do that. I mean Danny Rubin came in with a story and then Harold was like, all right, we got to change some stuff up here. So, you know, they did it together because he yeah. wanted to put that more comedy spin on it. And then when I was reading him and uh, Harold and Bill Murray were button heads because of that, Bill Murray wanted to do more of like the existential, like, you know, the reality of being in this time loop. And Harold Ramis is like this, you know, let's make this comedy that we're trying to put together. Well, and that's kind of the reason I ask as well, because I haven't seen Why the Last Man um, but I know it's kind of like got a post-apocalyptic kind of bent to it. And in mm -hmm. some ways, I guess you could make the argument this is kind of an elevated sci-fi story or something. It's it's definitely not like just a straight comedy. It's not Ghostbusters. It's not, you know, when Harry met Sally. Like there is this kind of interesting conceit, which people have borrowed from with like Palm Springs and the, all the other movies you were talking about. But it is fun <clears throat> that they mined the characters for the comedy, right? Like the situational comedy while also being like a big thought it's like oh what if you did this so you could take the same story to someone else like i don't know robert zemeckis and do like the back to the future version of this which is still light-hearted but like obviously has some deeper themes so that's why i was kind of curious because from a creative perspective and a writing perspective they really found their way through this and navigated it so that it was like, I would consider this a four quadrant movie. I remember watching it as a kid and, yeah. you know, being allowed to watch it. I mean, Danny Rubin also wanted it more. It, it, the original draft was more dramatic mm. um, and far more uh, sentimental and existential. Although it, it, and it started in the middle of the Groundhog Day journey. So we didn't mm. even get to see the beginning of it. Um, he just wanted, you know, this guy to already be stuck in for the audience to figure out what was going on. Um, Which is a much more bleak entry point, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Like you already can't control your circumstances. Well, I mean, that's kind of the message of the whole thing. It's like none of us can, right? Yeah. But studio also wanted there to be a for them to point to a reason why he was in this mm. and for them to green light it and they pushed back and they didn't, which I think it worked without saying like it was some scientists that put him in this and this or test or you know what I mean, or some witch did something to him. <laughs> a witch. Like, I kind of like the way it was just left to your imagination, like what's going on with him? Why is he in this situation? But you see, he he puts together that perfect day and it's kind of like a karma thing, right? Like you're doing good. Like we, this is making you a better person, churning you out. And then now I got on the other side of it. I wish I could see all the deleted scenes 
from Groundhog Day. Did you watch I, any of them? Did you find any of them? Some of them, but uh, you know, I, I want to see the stuff that they filmed to like make the studios happy. He wants like, to see I, the everything see everywhere it. all at once version where they just have <laughs> yeah. all the scenes back to back. I I watched the pool hall deleted scene where Bill Murray was a pool shark. Oh yeah, and it just didn't it didn't go anywhere. It was real like one tone. He was like shooting pool. Two guys walk up and he's like. They're talking shit to each other. And he's like, you want to gamble? You want to play play some pool for some money? And the two guys are like, no, we just bet basketball. So he starts hitting all these trick shots while playing pool and then discussing what game like spreads he wants for that night. And it's just a real like flat scene. But it is interesting because they did do multiple scenes that were a little bit darker, didn't move well, I think, that they cut. Yeah, one of the reasons that they had for why this was happening was like a jilted lover had cursed Bill Murray so that he has to find love on this journey. I was like, that's wild. I was like, did they film that? I want to see it. <laughs> I mean, I kind of read it as being like, you know, he had to learn a lesson, but I kind of love that they didn't hit you over the head with it. You know, and I think also like the last line, I think Rita says, or Andy McDowell is like, you said stay, so I stayed. And it was like having her like him for him, which... I still think it was very manipulative, you know, like he, although it wasn't like, he sort of seems like he'd given up on just trying to make her sleep with him. It was more like he just enjoyed being a good person. And that was like the flip for him. Yeah. I don't think I would have wanted like a magic potion or a like rub this lamp that just changes it. Like this is a grounded kind of high concept movie at the end of the day. So yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, that, that's, I think that it goes to show the brilliance of Ramus because he mm -hmm. was like, we don't, we don't need it. It's like, well, why does the audience, need the audience will accept is? it, baby uh do you guys have a favorite character from the sort of like secondary character cast i mean i already said i love ned but i yeah. also want to shout out the boarding house woman that like runs the bed and breakfast <laughs> she's so sweet and she just her reactions were just killing me because i guess that's the beauty of this film like everyone around him is kind of even ned needle knows ned like who is an eccentric character they all are so straight right like they're playing it straight and bill murray's just like completely unraveling around them so yeah i want to know who else you guys loved from from the secondary yeah. characters what about you who'd you like i love the bartender uh he's like one of the few people where no matter what was what bill murray was doing and hitting on andy mcdowell it's like he saw right through it, it doesn't <laughs> matter doesn't matter this is my first day experiencing this for the mm -hmm. first time you know like uh, what you're doing young blood <laughs> like, like you've seen that a hundred times before i read one of the wildest theories about that bartender was that he it, and of course it's like a reddit rabbit hole is that he was also in a time loop and that's why he was like recognizing what mm -hmm. bill murray's yes yeah that's and I was I like, I want to see that yeah, movie. You're right. Yeah, I want to see his perspective. That I mean, bro, yeah. we should pitch that actually. TM because David and I are really good at guessing like sequels and prequels. Like we'll do a movie and then it will get announced that it's getting like she's the man or uh, what was it? No, she's all that. She's all that. They had a flipped one. Um, that's a good one. And you could just super CGI like them talking at the bar and pull back and it's like another day, another dollar, and like yeah. the same guy. Oh my God, stunt script, here we come. And then you could even take that for, if it does well, you can do it to everybody. You can have a hundred- They're all doing it? Yeah. They're just all pretending? Um, then then somebody else like that interacts with the bartender, then they pull back and then mm -hmm. it's their, their loop. This was before they were so obsessed with sequels and prequels and they would just let a movie exist. David, who who did you like from the secondary? Uh, okay. I liked 
Rick Overton, Ralph character, strictly for the the flapjacks line when uh, they're hammered. It's <laughs> like they got they got flapjacks, and then Bill Murray to the cops like. Is it too early for pancakes or whatever? I thought him, Ralph, and Gus, that kind of comedic duo was was pretty good. It's so aggravating when he's in the diner and the waiter drops the plates. He's like, no school and pal. That is so <laughs> something my mom and dad would say <laughs> slash do. Like, I taxi? Used, I'm like, fuck I do off. it sometimes. Um, something drops and I'll, I'll yell, job opening. Like in a restaurant or a bar when somebody drops something. Well, I hope that you didn't have to live that day where you said that out loud and then someone's like, this fucking guy. (laughs) Well, I've done it before. I worked at a few fast food restaurants and I've dropped multiple things in front of multiple people. So I've I've been on both sides of that. Um, Also, did you see, though, speaking of the diner, that all the clocks were stopped? I read about it, but I didn't notice when I was watching it. Same. I didn't notice it. Thought that was kind of cool. But it's to show that he's like in purgatory. I did laugh. There is one shot where Andy's sitting opposite him at a table and there's just like a piece of paper like taped to the wall and it says like something, something groundhog. And I was just, the two two of the girls that were watching it with me are not in the film business at all. And I was like, do you see what they're doing? Like the, the set designer is just like hammering it home. Like we know it's Groundhog, but this is also probably if people like are watching TV and there's ad breaks, like back in the day, it's like reorienting the audience, but it was just like so obvious. Like sometimes the, the spoon feeding, I was like, we get it. It's Groundhog's day. We know Groundhog day. I keep calling it with an S. Groundhogs though. How about that? What, what's going on? You guys have them here in America, I guess. I don't know what they are. They're round. I don't know. <laughs> and they tell the future. What's their not to get? <laughs> I, I read I read a hilarious thing. Um uh, a little bit of trivia was that uh Punxsutawney, uh the actual city, was so mad that they filmed in Woodstock, Illinois, that they said you cannot use the real Punxsutawney film. So uh some animal wrangler uh caught the groundhog that we see in the movie a few weeks before shooting shut up no way Illinois Uh, that's why it was always biting Bill Murray I saw I saw he got bit so many times he had to get like two rabies injections through the oh my he was asking he's like the sick bit me like do I need a tetanus shot or whatever or they're like I don't know do you like animal wrangle is like don't worry I could get you a groundhog it just goes out Uh, into the oh my god what I was geeking out about though the day he drove the truck he stole the he stole the groundhog and he drove the truck off the thing did you guys notice um the like the the longer shots when he's driving and the <laughs> the groundhog popped up on the steering wheel did you notice oh my god if, you, if you're looking for it yeah it's yeah. all ridiculous because it's like someone's driving and maybe they have like a fake hand on the other wheel but then like this thing pops up and you can see the head just going back and forth I like did... sock puppet or something because it's not obviously oh not- it's not him yeah, because they do like a far off shot. Oh yeah, an engine, and then all of a sudden you see this little like thing pop up and like move around. I don't know. I was laughing pretty. I hard. did. I did read that Bill Murray improvised the "Don't drive angry, don't drive angry" because the groundhog was trying to bite him, and he was like trying to calm it down. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Don't drive angry. Don't drive angry. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really get what a groundhog is. It kind of looks like, I don't know, like a fat beaver that's worse. Yeah. It doesn't do jams. It just does time telling. Or- <laughs> oh, wow. so, it, it digs sorry. holes. Oh, yeah. it's a whole one. Okay. It's under the ground because it's in a tree stump in the movie. How the fuck would yeah. I know? Because they bring it out and then, yeah. Is it scared of its shadow? Does it go back in the hole or not? 
and then it's like okay. that. I, someone's gonna have they, to explain that to me also because I don't get it. They brought that out of a fake tree trunk. Come I on. know, but I don't <laughs> know. maybe it lives in a cave. I don't know. It was like a bear or a panda. Okay. Hold on. So like, if you're if you're Bill Murray and they're like, "Yeah, man, we couldn't get couldn't get, get OG, OG Phil Tony. We're gonna deal with this <laughs> this wood rat that we found two weeks ago. We've been training him." You think he's ready to go? Are you okay with that? Like <laughs> a wild animal that they just found two weeks ago. Are you okay acting with that? Like, would you either <laughs> like the two of you? I don't know if they tell me that if I'm going to be so. I, I feel like I was thinking with the fallout that must have been, you know, that was happening between uh, Ramus and Murray. And I could see Ramus just being like, yeah, just throw, you know, throw the ground, groundhog in there. Like, just, you know, <laughs> just let's go. Don't tell him. <laughs> but I also feel like Bill Murray is one of those actors that would be like, I don't fucking care. Like, he doesn't have an agent. He doesn't have a manager. He has a right. fucking voicemail that you can leave. number. Yeah. yeah. If anyone's going to fuck with a fake, or not a fake, a wild uh, groundhog, it's Bill Murray, you know? Yeah. I this just, is also the like, 90s, by the I way. Think so. The conversation, if they brought it to him, would be funny. It's like, now we found this thing two weeks ago in the Wait, woods. And you're telling me that other <laughs> towns don't have groundhogs? They were like, oh, well, we couldn't get punks to Tony Phil. They were like, better, next best thing, better get a fucking wild one. Like, there's no other towns you can ask to borrow. <laughs> yeah. This is the early 90s. This is, you know, different world. There's no social media. You're not like, hey, guys, we're looking for a groundhog. <laughs> they have some, like, uh, PA call every single news channel to see if they had one readily available to shoot. But Punks and Tony Phil got to them first. He's like, don't fucking do it. Don't do it. Stay strong. Union strong. Don't cross the picket line, guys. Exactly. (laughs) We're negotiating. They they went and got a local. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But they they shot this. Yeah, they shot this in (laughs) Illinois. That's so wild. Okay, so then did they shoot the whole thing in Illinois? Illinois? Yeah, I think so. So then... Okay, because I was reading about um, it must have been the, the the town that they actually shot it in. They put up like a little plaque near the the hole where Needle Nose Ned was stepping in, and I was also like, that hole is extremely deep. Like that's a very big hazard. That's like some LA level pothole shit right now. And this seems like a good town. Also, question: Do small towns like this have unhoused people? Because they seem like they weren't that many. It's it's weird that the population thing kept throwing me off because it, so, it seemed really small and rinky dink. But I guess it's a, it's a festival because like when they do that one shot from like further away, there's like quite a few people at Gobbler's Knob, the best. Gobbler's a great name. For best a- meeting area. But yeah. so, yeah, do you guys think, I mean, you guys grew up in kind of small towns, like were there homeless people living there? Yeah, I mean, there's there's unhoused people everywhere, yeah. but it's, you know, it's a little colder weather, so it's not like. Um, I just felt like they would be more familial, you people, know. People pass away like in the Midwest because mm-hmm. of the. Yeah. You know, every winter. It was just shocking that it was the one guy, I guess. I'd be like, couldn't they like band together to help him? That was sad. That was, he that dies was, no matter what he does. I think that was kind of like, was that like the turning point for you two with, with Bill Murray's character? Where it started to be like, all right, he's turning a page. He's caring, actually caring about the things he's doing. He's not just trying to be good. He's actually still kind of a prick about it. He's like, come on, you old keezer like yeah but he's trying to give him mouth to mouth and feeding him and i think it's like something clicked in him and he's like well this 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 one thing i did good felt good let's try it again let's try it again let's actually get to know these people like he does with chris elliott's character larry start you know he starts actually caring about people yeah i mean that was the turning point but then also when he lived his perfect day i was like so were you just like fuck it this guy's gonna die like i would still be like hey man here's ten thousand dollars like go nuts you know it doesn't mean anything it's like yeah. eat, eat everything. 
I was I was wondering that was the part I was wondering about. I was like, oh, we we have this like really tight sequence of him trying to save this guy, and then you know, towards the end, I, was like, I was like, what happened to that guy? Yeah. <laughs> like, they kind of just blow over it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, meh, whatever. He's gonna die anyway. So listen, we got a runtime to hit, so you know, <laughs> can't do it all. We'll definitely shoot this scene with the pool sharks that won't make it in, but we can't give this guy a culmination. So I, I ask, I have been asking this a decent amount lately. So for the two of you being writers, did this move well and consistent throughout pacing? the film? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What do you think? Yeah, I yeah. thought the pacing was great. Absolutely. Uh, I, I also just really miss movies that are under two hours. Mm. <laughs> Watching it made me realize, I was like, oh God, every can't do it anymore. Two hours or more these days. Yeah. I would, I would even say like I, I think it was paced really well, and this is probably like a foolish thing to say, but there was part of me that was like, man, I wish we could live in this world a little bit longer. You know, like it was just so much fun that there were so many things I wish we could have seen. But then, you know, maybe that's where you make it a TV series or something. You know, you get to play around in different people's worlds. But I don't know. I don't know if you could make this movie these days because I think the temptation would be to go dark. To be honest, you know, look at the content that's coming out right now, like with yellow jackets and stuff. Like people aren't talking about these high concepts in like a cutesy way. Even even Palm Springs, like some fucked up shit happened. I feel like a bit more dicey, bigger themes. But yeah. Which is interesting why that's occurring right now. Like why it's just people just feeling that and they got a psyche some kind of way through art. And that's why they're choosing little bit well, let's, or- let's ask our lovely guest what are you drawn to writing at the moment like because i do think what people create is kind of a reflection of their existence the circumstances their um their you know current history what do you find yourself gravitating towards story-wise i mean I'm, I'm always driven to um i'm always drawn to stories where the characters are so driven that it makes no sense at a certain mm-hmm. point and they just become so obsessed with their pursuit and it's you know by any means necessary because uh you know I've, I've gotten the question a few times and i'm always like i don't know like i've worked on a political show crime show uh recently a country music soap opera um and you know i was like wait what am i drawn to i'm like oh yeah like at the heart of all of these um shows i've been on um these characters are just um they know what their goal is mm. and they are going to achieve it. Maybe it speaks to some of my more sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I did Nervous watch... laughter. <laughs> Nervous laughter. He's like, actually, can you delete that part? Thanks. I did watch uh, Why the Last Man and I, I was pretty intrigued and like invested in it. I thought it, I thought it was a really good show. I, oh, thank you. I know. It, it, was I all, it was all him. He's yeah, I think... the reason. Part of that? Definitely not. Her, her <laughs> name is Eliza Clark, and she is one of the best showrunners I've worked with. Um, That's highly awesome. Recommend, highly recommend just watching that show to support her. Oh, I will. I will. I will for sure. It's definitely on the list. It's on, what stream is it on? Hulu? Showtime? Hulu. Hulu, yeah. yeah. F- or FX on Hulu. FX on Hulu. Yeah. Always on it definitely feels like an FX show for sure. They take some swings. I wanted to ask you stuff about your career and, and things like that. So, I mean, we kind of usually do it at the top, but hopefully people are still listening and, you know, for these nuggets. But um, what brought you to writing? I know we kind of like know what you have worked on, but what was the, you know, origination of the uh, of the journey? It was a friend's web series. Um and uh, they were an episode short. And at that time, I'd actually, it was in college. I'd actually gone to college for biomedical engineering. Mm. 
um, and uh, took this detour into exploring film and took like a general introductory film class, made some friends, friend was doing the web series um, and they were an episode short, so let me write it. Um, and I had sort of written before, but uh, after he read the episode, uh, he said, you know, this is pretty good. Do you ever think about just writing? Um, mm. And then, you know, I gave that shot. I uh, wrote a feature screenplay in college that got me some money, used it to move out to LA, uh, worked in an agency, um, made my connections there and ended up on House of Cards as the writer's assistant. Um, and then, you know, just like work my way up from there. That's amazing though. Did, uh, do you felt like it came to you pretty naturally? Like when you wrote the web series where you're just like, all right, here's, here's how I feel about it. I'm going to do this thing. Did you have like a class that you took that showed you some of the structure? Or did you just like put it together? No, how you felt it, about it? It was just how I, you know, um, he had already had like two seasons out. So I was just like, mm. you know, rewatching it and getting the characters and the tone and stuff. And I had written it. It's funny. I, I did. I had not taken any sort of class or anything at that point. The first script, full length script I ever wrote was on Microsoft Word. Uh, and I actually did all the margins myself, <laughs> like wow. every single page, because I didn't know that there was screenwriting software. <laughs> To actually, you know, like center <laughs> the character names and then the dialogue and all of that. Oh, and wow. I I I submitted it um like a like a like a fool to uh to the contest that I eventually ended up winning my senior year. Uh, but I submitted it. Um and they were like, Oh, what uh what class was this for? And I was like, class? I was like, I just wrote it on my own. <laughs> and the person was like, Oh, I'm like, that's amazing. You're so like driven to do this. For everyone's submissions, usually you get at least like a response to be like, oh, like if you know, one way or another, either it's accepted or like, there's some sort of rejection, maybe some thoughts on it. I didn't receive any letter because it was so bad. But I, you know, I, I, I ended up doing that uh, as, as a way to, to, I don't know, I, I think I was trying to, trying to work some stuff out on the page. It was one of those really meandering scripts about, you know, I'm a 20 year old and I don't know what to do. And, you know, like, <laughs> what's the meaning of life? <laughs> Yeah, people still writing those scripts, by the way. So they're out yeah. there. That's my next one that I'm working <laughs> <laughs> I'm a 30 year old and I don't know what to do. Like, you know. Yeah, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> That's so crazy, though. I mean, it's those little moments. I mean, not to bring it back to the movie, but like the, the groundhog yeah. of it all, you know, was the, uh, the catalyst, the turning point. I love that. And now you're out here waiting for the writer's strike, I assume. Potential writer's strike. I'm an optimist. I'm going to say, you know, um, a strike is not good for anybody, mm. but, you know, the demands that are on the table are incredibly fair. Um, reasonable. And this is really, yeah, fair, reasonable. And this is really a way to guarantee that screenwriting as a career is, can still be done as, you know, as, as some form of middle-class living. Um, and, you know, at this point, I hope that the studios uh, see it as an investment for the future of our industry. Mm -hmm. But again, you know, the demands, I think um, they are worth striking for, but it's no You're not a foregone you conclusion. For those that don't know, because you are our first like professional writer that's come on in a second, what is the what is the Writers Guild and what is a strike relating to the Writers Guild, if you don't mind sort of enlightening the dum-dums the like sure. me out there? The Writers Guild was originally started because um, the studios essentially had contract writers um, and uh, there were no protections in place. So, uh, I mean, writers' services and their work was incredibly exploited. 
Um, so the, the union started to, um, like any union, to you know protect working conditions. Um, and you know some of the uh, some of the conditions that we now see ourselves in today um, that are that's impacting writers across the board. Uh, we've got all these companies that are merging. Uh, we have um, the uh, expansion of mini rooms, which are writers' rooms for shows that you know may not ever go into production, uh, but they only run for a few weeks. Writers get paid the minimum weekly amount, um, and you know writers now these days they have to string together a few jobs as opposed to in the past. You know with shows that um, might have like a twenty-two plus episode order. Uh, you would work on it uh, for essentially the entire year. You would even get to produce your episode. So there's a way of actually being able to be promoted um, and become a producer because you covered your episode. You were on set. Um, you were doing. You know, you got all this production experience. Um, but that's just not the case anymore. Um, we have you know like eight episode seasons, six episode seasons, and sometimes it's just written by one person, um, and that's to the detriment of honestly everyone mm -hmm. um and uh i mean i could I, I feel like i could just go on and on and on no it's helpful it's helpful it is i i had no um like information on that but all i'm probably just can guess is that these studios are just looking for any way to cut costs even though they're yeah. making year on year um greater and greater returns yeah and it's just you know when you get into like the stockholder thing and all that stuff that yes. can you know, go against art and what people try to do to create that like filters into this. And that's, it's a shame because everybody's making money, you know, at the top more and more, like at what point is it like, okay, you guys are being way too greedy where you're cutting out talents and we need writers to be able to, to that's the starting point, right. To create these things. So it's, it's a shame that it, it comes to this, but I mean, when was the last one? Does this happen every like 10, 15 years? So the agreement is called the MBA, um, and it protects you know the the minimum amount of money that we should be making is renegotiated with the studios every three years. The last strike that happened was back in two thousand seven, lasted about a hundred days, but that was uh, an incredibly important one because it gave us jurisdiction over um, internet video, which we now now know as streaming. Um, oh. Without it, we wouldn't have gotten you know uh, we wouldn't have set the minimums. We wouldn't have gotten the residuals that we would we have now. And um, at this point, you know, it's it's just making sure that there's there's some sort of middle class living for for writers, because most people don't know this. You know, they they see the amounts that writers make, but it's like you know, don't forget, you know, how high the taxes are for in the cities that um, writers like work in, freelancers and stuff too, for freelancers and stuff. And then you know, if they have an agent, a manager, or a lawyer, you're looking at another five percent to you know. Uh, upwards of 25% that's mm -hmm. taken out again from your paychecks. And the average salary actually for working screenwriters is $60,000. And that's, that's tough in bigger cities. Very tough. Very so, tough. Yeah. Cost of living is going up every oh, year. Insane. Exactly. Just last couple of years as well. So, yeah. 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 So we can't, you know, we can't do the sort of percentage increases that we've done in the past because um, it wouldn't even catch up to inflation. Mm. Um, so, you know. There's, there's lots well, of play. It will be interesting to see. So, okay, I know you're an optimist, which we love to see. I'm also to toxically positive myself, which is probably why we're friends because we're both like, yeah, everything's good, sunshine and roses. But yeah. in the event of a strike, 
what does that mean to the average consumer of say a movie like Groundhog's Day, Groundhog Day that like wants to watch new stuff? Will there be gaps? Do you think that studios and places have been stockpiling? I'm just curious, like what will be the knock-on effect for the average person who's maybe not in the business? Yeah, I mean, you know, um, we could say that, especially for a lot of the streamers, like strictly streamers, I'm talking Apple, Amazon, um, Netflix, maybe, you know, maybe they have some stuff stockpiled uh, that could be some domestic stuff that's cheating right now. And along with international, um, you got docuseries, um, documentaries uh, made for TV movies that might be in production. As the strike continues, I mean, there's, you're going to see a disruption in some of your favorite shows, especially if it's on network um, mm. and it's going on right now. You know, as much as uh, maybe uh, some people are like, oh, the streamers uh, and the studios, um, they're less willing to come to the table because they have just all of this content now and it's all global. I mean, you know, uh, American films and television shows and uh, which are worked on um, by predominantly Writers Guild members, uh, they still set the pace for, mm -hmm. you know, for the entire world. And um, it's not just that America is going to feel it, the world's going to feel it. And honestly, the world is so fucked that like, if we don't have good shows to watch, take our minds off stuff and art, what's going to happen? We are getting along in the tooth and I know you have somewhere to be. So uh, without getting off the rails even more or like you know, <laughs> going into these existential crises about like what you would do and how many people you would murder if you were um, Bill Murray's character, let's do a shout out to someone in the cast or crew. Um, David, who would you like to shout out? All right. I'm going with my guy. Bill Hoffman, who is the animal handler. <laughs> <laughs> Day. This so is necessary. Only, only credit, animal trainer <laughs> handler. What I envisioned is that he's the guy that went out in the woods, <laughs> through the cage out there with some rhubarb or whatever groundhogs eat, trapped this guy, named it, brought him in, taught him a few tricks, <laughs> taught him how to bit, <laughs> bite Bill Murray, and, <laughs> and they made it happen. So Bill Hoffman... He the uh, miscongeniality this uh this yeah, thing yeah. Like, you got two weeks to be the star of the show baby We're hollywood uh so yeah bill hoffman thank you for your contribution and animal doing anything with animals is hard we got so, a we got a puppy right now that we're fostering keeps nipping at us and i you know so thank you bill for your <laughs> contribution so see you and we appreciate you see you and we appreciate you okay who you got Tian Jun. uh i've got the entire script and continuity department okay mary carlson julie chandler and judy townsend i can only imagine after all the multiple takes of everything that was going on for a movie that's about the same day over and over again you know the level of attention and detail that you hell must yeah have had to have um to 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 make sure that it was all cohesive uh hats off to you hats yeah. off to them um yeah. Well, in a similar vein to you, I went with Lisa Fisher, who was the set decorator, because I imagine resetting all of those things. Also, I made fun of the poster on the wall, which I'm sure was not her idea necessarily. But Lisa um, has worked on a ton of things. It looks like her last credit um, as a set decorator was 2009 with Mother and Child. But she did The Cleaner. She did Surviving Christmas. She did Sideways. She did Boomtown, Town & Country. Um, lots of movies and lots of cool things. So Lisa, for your contribution and for how many, you know, things you probably had to run in and preset, we see you and we appreciate you. Um, I know you have to go soon, but if you had one piece of advice for potential writers, 
what would you say to them if you could reach the nation of 12 religious subscribers to our podcast? <laughs> no, it's more than that. Don't worry. It's like 13. Uh, uh, I, I mean, it's evergreen advice. Um, no, uh, I think I think a lot of people, they're always wondering about like how to break in like right now, right now, right now. And, you know, the industry at any given time is always going through some sort of chaos. But I think the best way to um, to try to survive in this business, see it as a marathon. Um, it's definitely an endurance test. Um, the people that last aren't necessarily the most talented people, they're, but they're the most dedicated. Hmm. Um, and in order to last, I think you've got to be um, not an asshole. Uh, and also, you know, please uh, try to write as often as you can. I don't say every day, just, you know, we've all got busy lives um, and we've all, you know, got things to do and, you know, keep track of, but try to write as often as you can uh, and try to be, um, try to create a routine around it. Nice. And where can people stalk you on the internet if they want to find you and follow you and see what you're up to? Um, my Twitter is it's Tingin. I-T-S-T-I-N-G-I-N. And my Instagram is not Tianjun. N-O-T-T-E-E-L-N. <laughs> maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll have you. Maybe I'll have you you send them over and I'll put them in there. <laughs> one one it is, and the other one's not. It is it. not. Not that. <laughs> not that. <laughs> well, we so appreciate you coming on the podcast. And before we all go, we have to decide. If this film aged like milk or not, David, show us how it's done. All right. I'm going to say this movie aged pretty well. It did not age like milk. Um, I think this movie, every day it wakes up the same and you can keep drinking it every single day because it it just it moves well. I thought the acting was really good. I found myself laughing at different parts that I hadn't remembered mm. from the first couple times I'd seen this. Um, you know, so I like movies that are like that when you can rewatch them down the line and you catch new things, whether your mindset changed or whatever, you see it from a different viewpoint. But I thoroughly enjoyed this movie and it's just a fun rewatch. Totally. What do you think? This, yeah, did not age at all. It's, it's, it's it's classic um it's classic for a reason you know like it walked so so many other time loop movies and shows could run um i love it i i, I love this movie so much <laughs> i think this movie aged like a milk that as you're sipping it you're like hmm have i see have i tried this before <laughs> and then like you're like ah, no wait wait and then you're like is it off mm, or is it just me do i just have a cold because there were a few things, like I said, where I was like, as a woman, this guy's trying to get like, okay, does he like tell her? Okay, he's like, by the way, you don't know this, but I just lived that yesterday, you know, when we finally got together, I actually did that a million times. Like I lived it for 30 years. I actually like have yeah. done so much reflecting. She would think he was a crazy person. So there are some things, but I do agree. This is a classic movie. It's a feel good movie. I think, you know, who doesn't love Bill Murray? He's a national treasure. Andy McDowell, great gal. And so many fun character actors. But there are a few things where if you look too hard or you really swish it around, you're like, hold on a second. Hold on, that's my, my two cents. But no, we're so grateful to have had you on the podcast. I believe before we started recording, we said we were going to do a terribly scary movie next time we have you and maybe we'll drink yeah. and watch it together when I'm not dying of this 
fucking pneumonia thing that, that I've one in person. It'll yeah. It'll be fun. Be so great. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Everybody go watch all the shows that you worked on. But for now, David, you should just go ahead and check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Because Bill Murray is Bill Murray. That's our show. (laughs) Bye for now.